Well, that was super awkward. Not as awkward as you think it was. <laughs> <laughs> Our very first interview and we're interviewing uh, James Wedmore, my mentor, and uh, we have so much excitement. We've got all our questions. We're pumped for this interview. And my freaking mic keeps going off. Like, that wasn't super fun. Almost every question. <laughs> it was like, Lisa, your, your mic. mic. And I your mic. What that? <laughs> it was, but he was very gracious. And I think we did an okay but job of. Also human, right? Because. Yeah. This kind of stuff happens to everyone. No one's immune from their mic stuffing up or uh, things going pear-shaped. And so most people in that situation, we think they're thinking, oh, look at these two hacks. They don't know what they're doing or whatever. He's probably just thinking, yeah, that sucks. Because we've been there, right? Like we've been on the receiving end of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky he knew me. But, you know, I think what what we were focused on or what I kept thinking about when my mic kept stuffing up right in the middle of an amazing question that I was just asking um, was I just kept still thinking, you know, there's so much juice here and it's also not about me. Mm-hmm. So, Lisa, just get your bits done because all that we're doing here is prompting this, his responses. It's And he shares so much good stuff in this podcast and – you know, <laughs> with a little editing, Mike, it's come up quite well. <laughs> I, we're really excited to share this, our very first interview on the podcast. And we chose James because why not? Like, I think a lot of people get nervous of asking people who might have quite big, um, higher profile, more success, yeah. more dollars, yeah. Yeah. whatever. And when we approached him, we said, we just want to understand how you, why and how you've incorporated this spiritual side into your business. He, for you guys who don't know him, James Wedmore has built an online business. I think he started in 2008 or 2007. He was a bartender and he started sharing YouTube clips on how to be a bartender. That's how he got started. Then he got really good at YouTube. And he, it was kind of like in that time when everyone was like, you know, YouTube is a massively powerful search engine. He knew how to kind of crack the codes and get your videos seen. And he built a business on the back of that. And he shares really honestly about his breakthrough moment, which led to a breakdown after that. Usually and it's the right, other way around, isn't it? Yeah, usually. <laughs> breakdown then breakthrough. But he, had, but he did have four years of struggle in order to be able to get to his break through and I think you know that's what we're always going to be bringing on this podcast is the the honest stories of you know what it takes but um you know now he runs a a highly successful business he he has an in-house team so he hires people they work at an office together which is not the way a lot of people run their online businesses and has a product called um, business by design that helps people step by step grow like market their online business and it's a it's a really great program um it's a very profitable program but then he's got this podcast called mind your business which is absolutely what i was drawn to where he discusses all of the mindset stuff that entrepreneurs need to be focusing on if they want to keep breaking through so so because so often we see this happen in these online spaces where somebody has this high level of success with a relatively i guess 
traditional isn't the word, kind of maybe masculine, but, you know, strategy-focused business. And then they turn, because the work is the work, you know, the inner work, they they turn to spirituality just the same way I did and the same way I'm kind of convinced James did too through a breakdown. And Mm. then embracing that spirituality and realizing that that is the work. Mm-hmm. and then wanting to share that. But how do you do that in a way that doesn't alienate all the people that you've been working with? And and how do you meld together the two? Because some of us do, you know, I love systems and procedures, but I'm also a really spiritual person. How do you integrate the two? Mm. Yeah, and he's. I think he's, he's done that um, really well. It was why I was attracted to join his Inner Circle Mastermind this year because um, I, I love the way that he's built his business. Um, you know, he's got the runs on the board, but there's also this other side to him that, you know, well, he's completely whooped. Like he creates crystal grids and does all this sort of stuff. And he had the confidence and the tenacity to just put that stuff out there to an audience who were probably like, this guy's a crackpot. Like it could have really separate, you know, separated him in not a good way from the crowd. But as he shared, it was his passion project. And I think that so many of us think that we have to go into something with a really um, big plan for it. We need to have tested it in the market, done this and that. But sometimes, and even at you know the level of where his business is at, you can just give something a crack have and a see where it takes you. Yeah. And I just found that so refreshing to hear on this podcast. Totally. So, should we just dive straight in then? Let's head in. Meet James Wedmore. Keeping Good Company, honest and transparent conversations between two good mates on an entrepreneurial journey together. Join Lisa Cordoff and myself, Carly Nimmo, while we explore what it means to create, grow and keep good company. Life and business is better when you're keeping good company. James, thank you for joining us on the podcast. We're super thrilled to have you here. You are actually our first interview on this podcast. What? So- yeah, I know. You should feel a, special. It can only get better from here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We thought we'd just start average and then work our way up. <laughs> where we're going with that. Amazing. Um, All the kinks with me. I appreciate it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what I'd really like to know from you is, because this is something that I struggled with for a little bit, starting off as a blogger. And you started off as a guy sharing videos, um, then teaching people how to grow get more YouTube hits and all that sort of stuff. At what point did you realize this wasn't just a hobby, this was an actual business? And what was that moment like for you? Well, there's a couple of those. I wish there were only one, right? I wish we could make it as simple as you wanted as like, when, where is that moment? And there were a lot of moments. Like, I think life for all of us has these moments that have a lot of meaning for us. Mine was we launched a product, this is 2011, it was like my first foray in video marketing, which I became really known for in the industry. I launched a product called Video Traffic Academy for 97 bucks. My good buddy and I launched it. Uh, we did over $400,000 in sales in the first 30 days. That was life changing to say the least, uh, both positively and negatively. Because if you've ever had the experience of like everything you've wanted for years coming to fruition in like a week, it, it like changes you 
and you start asking like, well, now what? Or is this all really what it was cracked up to be? Uh, is this what, what I wanted? And I thought it would be different. I thought I would feel different. And it was the same old thing with, you know, just numbers and, you know, you've got an order in your email account, like covering the page. So I actually, and I talk about this on my podcast, like I fell into what I, I can imagine what a depression feels like. Like I, I was in the worst funk, uh, total burnout for a few months after that. And, and, you know, I don't think I'm alone that there are people that have had a quick burst of success and then it's followed with, you know, uh, almost like this counterbalance. So I think I had to, I think that was the first moment is that I had to make a choice. Was this, was that it? And now it was like, okay, let me see what else I can do. Or is like, am I going to make something from this? And it, it, what actually got me out of that funk, that whatever depression was, I, I had to make a purpose that was bigger than myself. I, I said, okay, I made the money. And, and, and since that moment, that was the end of 2011, I've never really been driven by money. And I said, I never really, because uh, part of it from, you know, is like, yeah, you, you measure money to see how your business is doing, right? Where businesses are in the business of making money. So it's still like a scorecard on in a lot of ways. But for me personally, that was, that was no longer the motivation up to that point. It was, it was like, if I'm going to keep doing this, it has to be from a place of service. It has to be from a place of, uh, this is what I feel called to do. This is, this is my, my Dharma, if you will. And, um, that changed everything for me. And it, it was just like, you know, it's been growth year after year after year ever since then. In terms of prior to that, I just want to play with the whole overnight success thing for a bit. Because to me, it sounds like there was probably a whole bunch of stuff that happened before that $400,000 launch. Ah, yeah, um, that was 2011. I'm actually, we're coming up at the recording of this episode. We're coming up at the 10 year anniversary of when I like first got started. And that was 2007. So eight, nine, 10, 11, that's four years of pretty much nothing. And I think I, I think I struggle more than most people, to be honest with you. And, and that'll talk about my kind of my next leg in my journey. But I actually think for the people who have quote unquote made it, whatever that means by our own definitions, I took a longer journey than most people. It was four years of brutal struggle for me personally. Like, why isn't this working? Um, and then, yeah, things like all popped at once. So yes, there is that joke of like, you know, an overnight success years in the making. Uh, and that definitely was a case for me. Did you think that you were going to feel like a different person when you made that 400K? Because I know that, you know, personally for me, a, a big breakthrough, and it was part of the reason why I joined your mastermind this year was to have a few breakthroughs, you know, just be like on the other side of that struggle or the bank account getting back to zero or, you know, whatever it was. And for me, it was moving our family like my husband being able to quit his job, getting back down to Melbourne where we've got our family, all that sort of thing. It's like, okay, sweet. Okay, that's just happened. Okay. And here I am. I've still followed myself here. Nothing's different on the other side. Do you, how do you kind of reconcile those moments? What are the moments where you've had those big, like, I feel different now? Like, if it hasn't been about the money, what has it been about? Oh, so much there, Lisa. And it's such a great thing to point out. Yes. Like if I'm being honest and it, and I'm probably going to go ahead and call out 99% of your listeners and I do this with love. That's what we all think is that I go after this thing called money, success, 
a launch, blah, 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 because we think it's going to do something to us. You know, and it's and this is the the what is a backwards or broken model, which is the do have be model that if I do these things and I do this launch or do this product and I will have all this money, then I will finally be what? Whatever that is. You know, fill in the blank, right? It'll finally I'll finally be worthy. I'll finally be recognized. I'll finally be enough. I'll finally be a success, right? All these things. And so then we just chase. Uh, and so that's what I was. I was chasing that. And I realized like nothing, that money in the bank account or those sales, that didn't change me. Those are external circumstances. And so the, the model that I like to uh, operate from, and I know Lisa's familiar with this, a lot of people are, is the whole be, do, have model. Is that basically when you change yourself, you change your world. So you first have to decide who you want to become. And when you step into being that person, you can, who you are being affects what you are doing, the actions you're taking, and that therefore affects results that you want. So anytime I'm looking for growth today, it, it is, look, it's, we got a little phrase that we say around my community, hashtag backwards, because a lot of what we think really is hashtag backwards to what I've discovered to be effective and true for me is that if you want to create something new in your life, and I'm not just talking business, like your life, like relationships, health, spirituality, whatever, it starts with you first. It starts with who you decide to become. And that's a whole world of, of a conversation. And, and then that will affect what you do which will ultimately affect the results you have. So one great example I like to give is it is this riddle that I've always played around with, which is how do you make a million dollars? How do you make a million dollars? A lot of people ask or give the answers like, well, I could sell a million app downloads for 99 cents. That'd make it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But the answer is you act like a millionaire. And when my wife and I, who we, we run the business today, we create a vision for the company and part of that vision includes a dollar amount. Like we, we are a $10 million company, $10 million a year in revenue generated. So we're always asking questions from that context. What would a $10 million a year company do? How would a $10 million a year company act? What does the CEO of a $10 million a year company look like? How does he act? How does he perform? Where does he spend his time? Because I don't know. I've never built a $10 million company, right? So I wouldn't know. But I can, I can ask from that vantage point and get there a lot sooner. So I think the moment we start, we stop chasing the to-dos with the illusion that that's going to finally allow us to become this thing that we don't think we we can be and choose to be who we want to be now, we can be much more powerful in what we create and ultimately what we have uh, in our lives and our business. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So... I just wanted to track back a bit to when you had the breakdown, I guess maybe you would call it that. Yeah. What was your process of coming back from that? Because I feel like we can say things like, who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? But when we're in that place, that breakdown place, it's often really hard to even know what that is. Mm -hmm. So what is the process of coming back from that? Mm, Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'll explain my process. And I think ultimately, Carly, what you're, what you're probing at is so important because if you're trying to run your business or do something in your life that you've never done before, right? Cause that's, I like to say business itself, running a business is like 
the ultimate course in personal development, right? Like you are forced to grow and change. So if you're trying to do those things without having quote unquote failures, breakdowns, falling off the horse, et cetera, like that's an illusion. It's inevitable. Uh, and so what we need to do is develop tools and strategies for, uh, how to get back on the horse, which is ultimately what you're asking. And, uh, so from a general perspective, we each need to find what works for us. What has always worked for me is whatever is the opposite of work. When you're, when I believe this is, this is how I operate is that when my head is down and the laptop is open and I'm working yet, I'm stressed out. I'm feeling, uh, you know, in a breakdown, that's never a good thing, right? It's always the time away to reflect, to think about other things, to, to journal, to ask great questions, to look at what I'm grateful for that I can have a new perspective and, and recharge a bit. So for me, what it was, and it was, it was just like so serendipitous how it specifically has happened for me when I was in that, uh, post success breakdown, if we want to label it like that, it was an ex-girlfriend to me and she sent me a gift in the mail. So bizarre. Like I hadn't talked to her for like a year and she sent me this gift and it was a series of old audio cassettes, um, talking about the whole law of attraction concept. And, um, I, I had, pretty much written that stuff off for the most part. Uh, I'd heard of it before I'd done some stuff into it, but I was like, ah, you know, can't, can't beat the old fashioned work hard and hustle. Uh, you know, I'll, t- I'll choose that strategy, but here I was like burnt out. And so I just started listening to these audios and it just like, I think it elevated me to a whole nother level and inspired me. And, you know, two months later I moved to New York city, um, which was a big deal cause I'd lived my whole life in the same town. Uh, so I'm, you know, small town. So now I'm in a new city. I'm, you know, meeting new people. My business took off. I, I had new meaning in my life. And so that made a huge difference for me. And that's ultimately, I'm almost like guessing mind reading that you, you, Lisa will ask this question, but that's ultimately why I created the podcast that I did because I was going, I was going down these rabbit holes of, you know, spiritual development and personal development stuff where people didn't really talk about business in them. They just talked about these, these concepts of mindfulness, uh, or spirituality. And they, they were having such a profound effect on me that I kept looking for more. And I, I wasn't finding very much, uh, especially when I started the podcast about two and a half years ago, I, I wasn't really finding anybody who was melding the two together. And so I said, well, screw it. I'm going to do that. And that's, that's really what my intention has been with, with my show is, is to bring some mindfulness to the entrepreneur. I'm really interested that you started with the law of attraction. And I think a lot of people start there. The idea of what was that movie? Um, The secret and yeah, all of that sort of stuff. But, and I think that was where my eyes were sort of first open to it. But don't you feel like that world of personal development can sometimes feel just like um, the magic bullets that exist in the online business world? Like there's a, there's a something that you need to do to get to the other side or to change your mindset or this is going to elevate you. And there's people out there sharing loads of different ways of how to do this thing called personal growth. I would love to know some of the, if you started at law of attraction, what next, like what were the bits that kind of came in that were most meaningful for you? Well, I, I had an unfair advantage. I actually had the opportunity to work 
with someone you would call like a guru or a mentor. Um, she was a fifth generation energy healer and I worked with her directly for about three years. And there was a lot of stuff from like, yeah, there was some spirituality. There was some NLP, life coaching and, you know, all that stuff kind of mixed, mixed in a pot together. So, so I had that as like, you know, I saw the secret, uh, back when it came out, then I, I got, you know, got the opportunity to work with this individual. So I kind of had a foundation for myself. So I was able to, I, I believe like approach something with a bit more of an understanding before just like buying into whatever someone is selling. And, and that is another conversation too, about like the more you understand marketing, the more you understand what it is people are doing. Like, you know, successful direct copywriters do have to kind of sell their thing as like, it is the, the bees knees. It's the only thing. It's the best thing and blah, blah, blah. And you know, I, I totally understand that and, uh, appreciate that. And I've found a lot of success or results in a lot of tools out there. Um, you know, there's, I've done, we, and we've had episodes about this where I get to bring on people doing amazing things from Akashic records to tapping and EFT and, uh, uh kinesiology, you know, like uh, muscle testing and, um, and then NLP experts. So like what I ultimately look for my, in myself is where do I see common threats? Where do I see common truths restated again and again from different people, different modalities, and over different periods of time. And there's one thing that I always like to come back to, and I think it's 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 bigger than law of attraction in, in my opinion, uh, but it's just this concept that the external world is simply a reflection of our internal world. And that goes back to my, you know, I say jovially, hashtag backwards approach, that we see something external and that causes us to live reactively to try and respond to what we see, like opening up the bank account or looking in the, the mirror and be like, oh, I gained weight versus realizing that just like looking in a mirror, like a literal mirror, and you see the mirror reflects back who you are. I tend to look as much as I can. It's not easy all the time. It's still a conscious discipline that I'm mastering is that what I see in the external world is a reflection. Uh, it's reflecting back uh, to me what I've been going through inside. Yeah. And that can be hard, right? Because it's like the ultimate in responsibility. Yeah, that is a huge pill to swallow. So like if you got in a car accident and, you know, and I've, this happens, these are like things. And, you know, for someone to say like, oh, that, what did you do to create that? Like you want to like punch him in the face. But I, I do believe that there is more, uh, and this is just a choice. It, I, it allows me to, uh, you know, I feel good about it when I live my life this way, that there is a lot of meaning in our, in our world and that we can look at, at events like that and, and look at, look at this idea that, wow, like maybe I'm more of the cause of things than I realize. Maybe I have more a say of what's going on. Um, and so, you know, there, and there's a, there's a quote that I love is as within, so without, right. And we've probably, a lot of us have heard that before. And that to me, that's what that means is as within, so without. Um, but we run around trying to chase, uh, everything externally and changing all that versus looking or starting, uh, within, which is also too, is not, is not easy. It's, it's, 
I mean, I'd, I'd love to say it's easy, <laughs> you know, oh, that's easy. And I think a lot of these things that like Lisa are talking about make it easy, but you know, we are emotional creatures and we have thoughts. Oh my goodness. The, the amount of thoughts we think and the things that we say to ourselves are usually way worse than any critic on Facebook could ever say to us. And then we tend to start believing those things. And then we tend to start living our life from those things as, as facts. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's been my, my journey. I think the further I go, it's more about like looking within and, and seeing the areas. I think it was Tony Robbins that said, turn frustration into fascination. Well, what does that mean? It means if something's pissing you off, like if there's an area of your life that's not working, can we start to get a little curious or fascinated about well, what's going on there? And to shine the light on ourselves versus the other person, like our spouse or our kids, takes a level of responsibility, like you said, uh, and maturity that is, you know, that's, it's, that's tough. It's, it's really tough. But I think if we do that work, what comes out on the other side is a beautiful breakthrough. Yeah, I feel like when we're doing that, you know, that looking for the silver bullets, whether it's spiritually or business-wise or our relationships or our body, whatever it is, it's just a different, again, it's external again. Like we just have to be coming back to within yes. <laughs> instead of constantly looking for the answers outside of ourselves, which can be really, really challenging. Well, well let's listen to this. A lot of people say there are no magic bullets. And I, I actually, and I really want to communicate this more on my show. I, I say there is a magic bullet. I really do believe there is a magic bullet and, and it's you that you are the magic bullet. I, I think it is an illusion to say that there is anything out there, a pill you can swallow or a bullet you can use that's, that's going to, it's going to change anything. Um, because if you, you know, you change the way you see the world, right? I think that was Wayne Dyer. You, you change the world, you change your circumstances. And that is, it, it, that's where miracles uh, happen. Um, so I do believe we are the magic bullet. And one thing that I'm working through right now, and I'm going to be doing an episode on this because this has been huge for me. I'm, uh, you know, people say, as we do all these episodes about spirituality and business, like I'm (laughs) some kind of spiritual teacher and I am a spiritual student. I am learning so much and it is currently, it's just me sharing my practice and what's working and what's not and something that I've struggled with for a long time. And it was a blind spot for me, which means I didn't know it was a problem, which is why if we knew everything was a problem, we would have instantly fixed it. It's, it's these tricky subconscious blind spots that we don't notice because we've been doing them our entire lives. It's what we know and we, we do what we know. So, you know, I didn't know I was doing this, but, um, I've, I've really been dealing with how to, bring more self love into my life. Like really look at how I can love myself more. And I just read a fantastic book. It's like 60 pages. Uh, it's called love. Have you guys read this love yourself, like your life depended on it. So good. It's so good. And uh, it's about a guy who radically changed his life. The moment he created a commitment to loving himself. And I've been just doing this practice for about the past seven, 10 days. And it's, it's life changing because what I realized was how little I, and I didn't say I hate myself when I do, when I say I didn't love myself, I just kind of like, and most of us do this, right? Kind of put ourselves last, 
right? Where the martyr, I say it in business, we're the martyr to the marketplace. Like we'll bend over backwards and slave for the sale. And where's the compassion for you? Where, you know, we've been trained that to, that's selfish and that's totally bogus. So in the past week, as I've been giving myself more love and more grace and, and gratitude and compassion for me, I see how much more I get to give to others. And this is a step that we tend to skip. It's like we're, we're trying to fill everybody else's tanks up and we're on empty. And, and so I look at how a week of me practicing radical self-love has been a miracle for me. That's a magic bullet. You know, that's a magic bullet, but it's not the love. It's not the book. That's the magic bullet. It's that conscious decision that I made. And it's in that making of that decision of saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit to this. And this is who I'm going to be now. That's where that magic is. That's the magic bullet. And powerful things happen through our intention, through our intent, choosing a, a, a new way to act and a new way to be can be life changing. I totally get now why you said what you said to me the other day via our little chat um, and where all that was coming from. And I love the, I mean, the concept of self-love is something that I've been talking about with a community of women who, you know, kind of flogging themselves, not feeding their families right, not eating right themselves. And it's like, you know, I just try to give them a little bit of peace that we're all doing our best, that if they are constantly in that state, that is not a healthy state and a loving kind of way to exist in our lives. But, that, you know, I think the word self-love is kind of thrown out a little bit out there. What does the practice of radical self-love actually mean to you? Yes. Okay, great question. The first practice is what I've just mentioned about the commitment, about making a decision that you're going to do this practice. That's always the first step, right? Like I am doing this. This is, this is my commitment. This is what I'm going to be doing. So that's always the first step. There's so much power in that deciding, right? Uh, for me, what I, the first piece of it is, uh, an affirmation of, I love myself. And, um, you know, and if we want to get into the whole like neuroscience thing, there's like thoughts and thinking that are kind of just like those thoughts that think themselves, right? And you're not even you're like, did I think that? Or that's just this thought that pops into your head. And, you know, the, the habitual nature of our thinking where thoughts just kind of think themselves. And so uh, the way I look at it is you kind of have to create a new, you know, neural pathway or thought pattern by just repeating this over and over again. So the first piece is like, I just fill my brain to silence any other noise was just, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I love, love my life. I love me. I love uh, I love you, like looking in the mirror. Uh, so I'm repeating that over and over again. And then what I want to do is um, I think thought alone isn't, isn't enough. And, and it may not feel like enough, like it's doing anything at first. That might actually be a really good indicator of like, man, I really haven't been loving myself. Otherwise, I would just really know it, feel it, and that would be it. Uh, so then I try and put as much emotion into it. Like I try to um, imagine how I love somebody else and putting that love back onto me as well. Um, and then I try and kind of throw a visualization on top of that. So I'm using words, thoughts, emotion, and imagery. Uh, and I'll use an image of me like hugging myself, 
Um, and it sounds silly, but it has been uh, unbelievable. And this is what the author of the book talks about. He also talks about a meditation that he does where he does seven minute meditation every day or twice a day. And every on every inhale, every breath in, he says, I love myself. And on every exhale, he just exhales any thoughts that might cut up, come up for him or any negative thoughts. Uh, and that's it. So it's, it's a really simple practice. But I think creating that new neural pathway, that new thought habit of uh, I love myself just takes that discipline for a while. And I'm still doing that. But um, right before this show, I went down to the beach and I was in the plane in the ocean. And that's all I was saying to myself. And it was awesome because it didn't let any other thoughts creep in. So, yeah, does that help? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So let's just be honest here. You're in the middle of a launch, a huge launch. You have an amazing team that works for you. I, I so respect how you have built your company and the fact you can just go surfing, you know, during a launch, all those things. But this actual product is, it's called Business by Design and it helps people create their and grow, scale their online business. And I'm guessing that that attracts a certain type of person to your business when you're putting this out there into the world. I'm so curious because how does the podcast and the discussing all of this stuff fit in with that? Carly and I have seen over the years people who who 100% get that mindset that all of this stuff that you've been talking about is is the most important part of uh, everything and especially has helped them grow their businesses and then they want to share it with everyone else but it can kind of get a bit confused and lost and people aren't coming along on the ride because they're like I just want you to talk to me about the things of how to grow an email list like why are you now talking to me about that I'd love to understand you know why mind your business and what that podcast has meant for your business and who it perhaps attracts in to you and how you've I think with a lot of grace shared this stuff with a community of people who perhaps weren't sure that they needed to hear it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. There's a lot there to, to unpack. The first thing I'll say is I didn't, I didn't think about it as much as I think you're thinking about it. To be honest. Let's just be straight. <laughs> you're talking our language there. Um, our language. There was, if it sounds like I appreciate, I receive all your compliments, Lisa. Um, but don't be under the assumption that there was this like meticulously thought out plan. Uh, there wasn't. And, and I am a huge fan. And this is, we talk about the podcast, like going with your gut, you know, leading with intuition and, uh, how I learned how to do that and, and how anybody can, you know, you don't need to have some special ability to do that. Uh, so I was, I felt very led to do the show because I just was like, you know what it feels like? It feels like a craving, right? When you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm just craving sushi tonight. That's what it kept feeling to me. So I had a, I had a YouTube channel. We still have a YouTube channel, millions of views on the YouTube channel is more successful than ever. It kept growing month after month. And I did five minute videos talking about like what camera you need to use and you know, how to set up your video backgrounds and all that type of stuff. And I just had this craving to talk about these other things. Cause those are to me the things that were making the biggest difference in my life. Like, yes, it's nice to have great videos. Yes. It's nice to have a bunch of views and all that stuff. But the stuff that, that was like, really transforming my business and my life was this other stuff. And so I was like, I just couldn't hold it in anymore. And so I just said, I'm just going to put this thing out there. It's just a passion project. We're just going to see what happens. 
Um, so I just started with that and I just started with topics, things that I had learned a lot about, things that I would really practicing, things that I think would help people. And that's always where I like to come from a place of what does my audience need? How can I help them the most? Right. A place of service. So I started with that, but at the end of the day, uh, not, but, but period, there was that. And that's where I was like, okay, this is where people are going to go for like the mental, emotional mindset nourishment. Cause I needed that. If I needed that and I was looking all these other places and I was talking to spiritual people that were not business owners. And I was like, if I'm a business owner and I'm looking for this stuff, other people have got to be looking up for this. And I'm going to take what I've learned and what I've been practicing, uh, for years now and, and combine it with the business. So that's where mind your business podcast came from. But I still always wanted to teach the strategy that I use for, for selling. So ultimately there's a distinction we have between the left brain and the right brain. Left brain is the linear, logical, structured, masculine. Here's what to do. Here's what not to do. Action, action, right? And the right brain is, you know, the feminine, the creative, uh, the attraction, the emotional, all that. So uh, it's, to me, it's just, it's about, you got to have both. I've seen people that are super like, let's just use the terms as they are like super spiritual or super woo woo. And you're right. Like they, that's, that's, that's great, but they don't have a business. They're not generating sales, they, you know, and, and that's fine. But if that's what they want and they can't do it, like, cause they're just not doing the left brain stuff. Um, they're not going to have the results there. And then I've seen the other people who are like super, this is me. This is what the world I came from. Super wicked, smart, super hardworking, super masculine. Like, let's go do it. You know, like Tony Robbins, who I love, like Tony Robbins, like take action, make it happen. Right. Um, without the other side, uh, then they're, they're sure road to where I was, which is burnout. So the, the way I kind of look at them now is that the podcast is the right brain and business by design is, is the left brain. And I really hope, and I invite people as they go through business by design to be like, okay, this is the instruction manual for your business. These are the things that have to get done. And even have to is in air quotes. These are the things that should get done to get the results that you're looking for, right? Be, do, have includes B is the inner work, but do is the outer work. It's the action that we take. Uh, so these are the actions that are necessary. Um, you know, you can't just close your eyes and visualize a Facebook ad and, and boom, you've got a Facebook ad. Maybe you could attract a, a great uh, Facebook ad manager into your life. I've definitely had amazing experiences like that. Uh, but you need both. I really do believe you need both. So I invite my students as they go through business by design and go through the instruction manual, follow these steps that they're simultaneously listening to the podcast. Because I'll tell you this for anybody out there that are listeners if you guys are, are a personal brand business of any sorts, like you have to put your face on the company or your name. I believe that, that although the barrier of entry is the lowest for this type of business, this can be one of the hardest businesses from a mental, emotional standpoint, because we're constantly putting ourselves out there. There's a lot of vulnerability that shows up. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of fear of rejection. Um, all of that stuff. And it's tough. It can be really tough. And, and so, uh, you know, having both, I think is going to give you a roadmap, but then also some peace of mind when, when you have that turbulence, when you have those speed bumps, those, those hurdles. I don't know. Did that answer your question, Lisa? Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, it did. And I can speak personally, um, that I came across you 
um, with the YouTube stuff for sure. And it was really only when I started listening to Mind Your Business that I was like, this is my guy, this is this guy I like, that there is someone out there talking because I love strategy, I love marketing, I love like both Kelly and I are big creators and then we have completely different processes once it comes to putting something out to market. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, oh, give, give me the ideas and then, then I just kind of make them my own. And But I just... I kept on getting to these points where I was in repeating thought habits or I was I was finding myself in the same state of chaos or and I just knew it was more than anything that you could get really taught but it's funny and I was talking about this with Carly when we were talking about this interview that when I signed up for the mastermind and on that very first call you're like hands off here guys like you're here you're here for your breakthrough so you you got to show up i'm like no no dude like you give me a breakthrough i've just signed up for a breakthrough (laughs) why aren't you gonna give me the breakthrough i don't understand how this works (laughs) and it it was in that moment there that was my moment of taking responsibility and it was my moment of just ditching any magic bullets and absolutely focusing on myself, listening to myself in ways that I hadn't listened to myself before. I And I didn't even do business by design. That's not how I met you. Like I just listened to the podcast and had seen you before. So I can, from a personal point of view, I can see that, um, you know, you're attracting different people in all the time. And I guess Carly and I are interested because we've got, we've just started this podcast and we love talking about business, but we also you can't talk about business without talking about the other stuff. Like, Carly, you... Yeah, I mean, you can do the work or you can do the work, you know? And what we've found from our own mastermind is that the people who we attract have done all the learning. They've done every course they could do. They're, at some point, it's not that they don't know what to do, It's that they're not doing the inner work because you can say to someone, look, here's a funnel. This is how you do it. This is how you create it. And sure, they can go off and do it, but it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change Lisa's addiction to chaos, which was the real issue at the time. Wow. Lisa, how do you feel about that? Oh, I totally own that. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that sometimes you've got to take really big big really scary leaps in this if you want the big scary outcomes like we keep doing the same stuff we're going to keep creating the same stuff at the same level and this is a question for you James is what what level like so when when people come into your world like whether it might be BBD or whether it might be the mastermind do you think that there's something that and and you know you your mates are, are playing a, a much bigger game. Um, they've got five, ten million dollar plus businesses in your mastermind. What, do you think that there's something that kind of separates the people who continue to go forward and the pe- people who continue in struggle town? Yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah, um, but it's nothing that that everyone doesn't have access to. Uh, it's not something you're born with. Uh, in fact, I, I read a comment on one of my Facebook posts that like really bummed me out. Uh, it was something about like the response was, 
like I was talking about how hard it can be when you see someone else posting about all their success and how it's really easy for us to like start comparing ourselves to others. And, and someone posted something about like, not everyone's meant to be uh, rich and successful. That's the way God intended it. And I don't believe that for a second. Um, and I don't think this needs to become a religious or uh, conversation, but uh, God, universe, whatever, I would would never imagine that he, she, or it would intend for certain people to be poor. You know, like I understand we're all, you know, and this gets into a big conversation. I'm going to try and navigate it carefully, but you know, I, I understand that we're all born into you know, certain sets of, uh, circumstances. And I think there's a, there's a bigger picture there, but if I, if you let's, let's get a little closer into somebody like specific, who's just getting started and they look at somebody else who they look up to, to sit there and say that I could never do that. Or that couldn't be me. It's such a lie. It's so bogus BS. And that's really at the end of the day, what I, I stand for as, as an example, because that was me. I was that person going to all the events, joining every webinar, doing everything. And I was just like, man, I could never do that. And, oh, that's nice for them, uh, but not for me. And, and so going back to what Carly said about that inner work, it's not that we have to do this work on ourselves. And that's, I think that's, this is a really important distinction that I want everyone to get is that this inner work that we talk about isn't about adding on to us to enhance us. Like you, you, you get stock Lisa or stock Carly. And now I've got to like buy all these aftermarket parts to make you whole, complete and perfect or good enough. That's bogus. I look at it as the opposite is almost like, sometimes because of our, our life experiences, our environment, our culture, our upbringing, uh, parents, teachers, whatever. Um, it's almost like the analogy I've always looked at it is almost like you're covered in mud. And what, what the actual work has been for me is never been about, let me, let me compensate. Let me add on to be better, faster and stronger but it's always been is let me strip away. Let me let go of. And so it's like this person caked in mud. It's like, let's just clean off the mud. Let's clean off the, the ick so that the true you can start to shine through. And that's what the inner work has been for me. And that's a very important distinction because a lot of people are like, okay, I got to take a, a, a seminar learning how I can do this. And I want to, I want to really do this. So I better take a speed reading course so I can read more books, you know, you know, so I can learn, more and add on, you know, and we just go. And that was me. That was my first phase of my journey was like, let me add on all these things so that I'm knowledgeable enough, have enough skills, have enough value. And I realized that the real journey took off for me when I started letting go, when I started stripping away. Uh, my beliefs about what I thought I was capable of, my beliefs about success and failure and, and money and, uh, and, and big things that I'm still working through on, on levels is like, uh, rejection opinions from others, uh, you know, what others think and say about you. And, and, you know, people will say this, you've heard it like, Oh, you're not, you haven't made it until you've got haters or critics and all that stuff. And it's like, we all know that. Okay. We've all heard that before. 
but it's a really different thing when you're sitting there and you send out an email or you put something on Facebook and someone just like lays into you. That's that's really hard for for most people. And that will debilitate them. That'll drop most people to their knees and they're like, okay, I'm not doing that again. And then we realize like, holy crap, we're putting our life, our dreams, our vision uh, on hold because someone went blah, blah, blah on Facebook. That's ridiculous. Yeah, especially because That's- it has absolutely usually nothing to do with you or what you've said at the time either. Yes. And and we can and, and that's that can be really hard for people to swallow too, right? Is like it has nothing to do with you. You it has everything. It says so much about the person who's saying that. And so I always use this funny analogy of like, let's look at someone like Clark Kent. Like Clark Kent, Superman, like he's out there saving the planet. Do you think that guy when he gets home after he's done like saving the planet goes on Facebook and just was like, you jerk, you dumbass, you suck. <laughs> Yeah. Something else that I wanted to just bring out there, because I mean, we've kind of bounced around. We've talked about a lot of things and, you know, uh, I want to just throw one thing else out there. That's something that I've been really focusing on, something that I really want to be a part of my message. And and, because as I started the podcast, it was also about speaking against this, this hustle movement, uh, because I did that, been there, done that. I like to joke that I'm a recovering workaholic because I did the 14 hour days. I can work harder and faster than most people and I can work longer than most people. Yet it wasn't working. It was still wasn't producing the results that I was looking for. And, and so as I, as I went down this spiritual path a lot more, you know, years ago, I really came to the conclusion that, uh, I was, I noticed in myself and in uh, my upbringing, how much I was attaching or correlating work and effort to money. And I don't know how, you know, I, I can't speak for the school system in Australia, but in the US, like I look back at my schooling and one of the biggest messages that's pounded into your brain is work hard and work hard and do the work and you'll be successful. And so you kind of like taught every year like to work hard so that you can graduate and go to the next grade and then go to the next grade so you can go to high school so you can get into a good college so you can get a good job. And that's all fine and well. Uh, but you have to understand that that work hard, uh, make more money kind of mentality that's at least really ingrained in the U.S. is great for employees, but we're entrepreneurs. And so what I've seen a lot of people do is overlay that behavior and that context uh, in their business. Like they run their business like an employee, which is why so with love, Lisa, that I've had to tell Lisa like, hey, I'd love for you to take a few days off because you really deserve it. Because we think that, oh, I, you know, want all these big and amazing things. You know, Lisa sets these huge, amazing, inspiring goals. Well, that means I got to work harder and I got to work longer. And I'm really discovering and, and sharing that message right now that money does not come from effort. Now, when I say that, like, is that hard for you guys to swallow? Do you like, I get that. Where are you guys? Not for me because I've done the same thing. I've worked the 14, 15 hour days. I have put aside my life for work and to the point where 
I worked in the spare room the day of my Nana's funeral at her wake. And I just decided in that moment that I would never go back to that place. And so from there, I've created systems and procedures and a team so that if I can outsource something and create a system or a process in order for me to get that off my plate, I will. So that then I can show up in the areas that I enjoy showing up. And I found that, yeah, it's, uh, I guess it comes down to defining what success means to you as an individual. Because for me, I know what success looks like. And most people don't really, they have an idea of what it, what success should look like, but not specifically to them. So well, then that, to just interrupt you really quick, that's a really dangerous too. And I've been down that route because then you don't even know when you got it. So you just keep going, right? And it's never enough. And that's, um, that's, that's a really scary path. So the more we can define, you know, my definition of success is getting what you said or doing what you said you would do or getting what you said you would get uh, with as little effort as possible. That to me is a success. If you say, uh, hey, you know, I, I only want to work two hours a day for the rest of the month and you did that, that was a success, you know? And, and I think that's really important that we... Yeah, that we define that. It's funny. Uh, when we were in um, Laguna last time, James, and you said to me, Lisa, the rest is the work. And I was like, yeah. And you were like, mm, you know, you're still not getting it. <laughs> You're just looking at me going, oh, sure, yeah, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it. Rest, work. Rest is the work. Yeah. And it must be I'm so frustrating. It yeah. must be so frustrating because for me, I know I can hear these concepts and they can make logical sense, but it really is only when you are in a position where, like, I needed to think on that. I needed to think what that actually meant for me. I needed to be in a position where I put that into practice. And, yeah, I was sent away going, Lisa, you're not allowed to work for two weeks. Just take some time <laughs> off. And I was like, I just don't even know. Like, what does that even mean? I was, I haven't set up the business in a way that really has allowed for that. And also that there is, a, you know, it was obviously an insecurity that if I did take the pedal off, um, that things would, would go away. And so I think the, the most important thing, like I love hearing these concepts, but then it's actually – you know, taking them away. Yeah. They have to land. And at some point they have to land, you know? And that happens in your own time. You know, that's something that happens when you're ready. I've seen it sitting in group therapy with a bunch of other crazy people like me talking through my feelings or whatever it was. And I've seen people not physically hear the things they're being asked because they're not ready. They're not ready to hear it. And I feel like that's what happens to us as human beings sometimes. We can't actually hear what we need to hear until we're ready to hear it. And then it lands. And then we're like, oh, okay. We all have selective hearing. We all have a filter through which, I mean, this is proven neurologically that we distort and delete in incoming information. We are con We have a model for the world. We have a belief system or a context through that we say this is this is how the world is this is how people are this is how i am this is how business is this is how money is and we are constantly subconsciously this is where it's like scary this is why information alone isn't enough we are looking for co confirmation of those beliefs and we are 
subconsciously <laughs> ignoring, deleting, or distorting anything that contradicts that. And so, yes, for you guys to train yourself, to, that's why I said when, when Lisa asked earlier, like, well, what does a practice like self-love look like? Every great practice starts with that decision to do something differently. Um, and for you guys to do that, it's just like, that's always the first step and it's always most important versus like, Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And I'm like, cool. I got to go back to work now. Um, yeah, you'll get, you'll get it. It'll integrate fully. I promise after you have an experience of it, right? Like if I tell you for weeks that there's a shortcut to work, and then you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say, no, trust me, take the I five and get off here. And then you finally do it and you realize, wow, I just saved 20 minutes. Like now, you know, you know that that's the shortcut. You're going to take that every time. And so the more I put it into practice, the things I'm talking about, the more evidence I see, you know, it's faith first and then evidence after the more I more it reaffirms it and more I just keep going. But um, you know, from that, that bringing it full circle with that, like law of attraction conversation, it's all based on everything is energy. Everything is vibration. That means money is too. If we're focusing on not the money, if we're focusing on how hard we've got to work and we're not excited about that, like, Oh, I got to do this. And, Oh, this sucks. And, um, I, I don't even like my business anymore and blah, 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 blah. You're not at the same vibratory rate, you're not the same frequency as, as money and you're just pushing it away. Uh, and so a lot of times, just like when you get a great idea or a lot of creativity comes in the shower while you're driving, it's because you're in a much more open and receptive state. So I'm constantly training myself still consciously. It's not, it's not always easy. It's like, how do I feel? Like, what is my emotional state? How do I feel? And when I don't feel good, I know I got to do something. I got to do something different. I, uh, that's why I go surfing every day is there uh, meditating yoga, reading a book. Uh, you know, now my newest activity is playing with my 18 month old nephew. Um, and we'll just like play with toys for like hours. And that is when I talk to Lisa, the, that rest is the work. I know that that is the best use of my time in those moments is. Yeah. And I guess the common thread between that is that all those activities bring you back to the present moment, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but it, yes, it is. It's where, you know, we had a fantastic episode. If, if anyone ever does, you know, want to check out our podcast, episode 114 uh, of, of my show, um, the person I, I uh, brought on, uh, Jim Fortin, uh, says, Oh, that's such a good episode. It's a great episode, right? He says, <sighs> you are where your attention is. And he repeats this over and over in the episode. And people have listened to it. It's become one of the most popular episodes. I mean, he's he's a brilliant, brilliant man. He worked under uh, a shaman for like 20 plus years and he's an NLP master practitioner and does sales training. So he's got a, a, a spiritual foundation. He's also got like sales psychology and, and business acumen. Uh, he says, you are where your attention is. So if your attention is on the bank account, isn't where you'd like it to be, or your attention is on this task in front of you on the laptop that's pissing you off, makes you feel like crap, if your attention on, is on that to-do list and, it, and it's draining or inspiring, you are where your attention is. And uh, I've I've known that for years without putting words to it. And he, he did such a great job of putting words to it. I knew that the moment I felt like crap or something that was feeling off that I needed to move my attention elsewhere. And that's the uh, Abraham Hicks. If you guys listen to any of their stuff, it's the same 
thing that they're talking about. Again, like what I look for, uh, back to what Lisa said, like, how do you choose with everyone's got their magic bullet? I look for the common themes and like, where are the principles? Where's the fundamental truths I see in what everyone is sharing? They say the same thing that you are, you, you know, your higher self or you are like this core and you are actually holding yourself down in the water. And if you just kind of let go for a bit, you naturally rise, you naturally flow to the surface. So when our awareness is on the stresses, the fears, because look, your brain is trained for that from a survival standpoint. It's got to look for the fear. It's got to look for the danger. It's got to look for the negative. So when you kind of let go of that, let go of the cork, start focusing on the things that you're grateful for, the present moment, the things that light you up, the things that inspire you, the things that just feel good, then it, it, rises you to the surface and you are where your attention is and that's that's just been life-changing for me yeah and i think the key to that is that it's not a bullet it's a practice it's a practice of coming back to the present moment and that has really been a game changer for me too and at times i struggle with it and at times you do just get drawn back into your old patterns and your old whatever's going on back into the same stories but if you can have that level of awareness and for me it comes down to knowing liking and trusting yourself and when you come from that place it's uh it's easier to show up more consistently it's easier to back yourself it's easy to trust yourself it's easy to let go because you have this faith that comes from within yes. and and do the practice not just when things are going bad and you, mm. like but do it when they're really good like there are some days where i'm just like in such a flow and i'm feeling so productive and i'm like nope I got to stop. I got to stop because, you know, it's almost like too much of a good thing. Like I don't want to forget my practice and my discipline and, and time away from whatever I'm working on. It's not just like, Oh, okay, I'm going to work 16 hours a day because it feels good. Um, I'm looking for that, that practice, even when there's nothing wrong. Um, yeah. So, Oh, I've just loved this conversation. I just wish we could just jam for the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> but we should probably let you go, James. You know, the one, the, the big thing that I just took away from that, like that faith first, evidence second, uh, that has just really struck a chord with me for some reason. But I know as we listen through this, there'll just be more and more and more little nuggets that will reveal themselves. And I'm sure that... Our audience is going to be frothing at the mouth for more interviews on this podcast because you have set the bar very high. So thank you for sharing. Oh, <laughs> you are welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, James. Woo! Thanks for sticking around. See you next Monday. Remember to subscribe. And keep good company. If you'd like to know more about James's program, Business by Design, head to lisacordup.com forward slash BBD. I have an awesome affiliate offer for you. I can't recommend his program highly enough. And um, hopefully my bonus supports you on your journey. See you soon.